Hi, I'm Rob Knight, the host of Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. TWIP is brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free at FreshBooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. This is TWIP, episode 449, Presets, Good, Bad, or Lazy. We haven't discussed the stock or micro-stock photography industries in quite a while on this show, but in this episode, we discuss Corbis, owned by Bill Gates. It's being sold to Visual China Group, China's equivalent to Getty Images. VCG is also the company that in 2015 led a $13 million investment into 500px, a deal that frequent TWIP co-host and co-founder of 500px, Yevgeny Chabotarov, told us about when it first happened. Also, in this episode, we talk about Canon's bold new marketing experiment called The Lab, and we dive into a roundtable discussion about presets, good, bad, or lazy. It's Monday, January 25th, 2016, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of this week in photo i'm your host frederick van johnson i'm here with two excellent guests not that all of our guests aren't excellent but these are particularly excellent we got martin bailey coming to us from tokyo and finally i think this might be our once a year appearance of alex on twitter the beginning of the year we get a glimpse of alex kind of like the groundhog so alex Lindsay is also on the show hey alex how you doing man i'm doing well it's a pleasure to be here i I was glad i could get to jump on you know your your schedule is so complicated and 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 full of all these great people that everyone i only get on every once in a while whatever whatever yeah you're you're the one flying around you're like Haley's comet man that's <laughs> by what is it once every 10 20 30 years or something yeah you know you know all right before, so what have you been up to alex like what's what's been going on in the alex world that you can disclose to the twip audience because yeah, well, I, I, can, can I can talk a little bit about our adventure together so we yes. um so we were at uh we were at the white house uh i'm really glad we were at the white house uh a little over a week ago rather than last week, because that would have been really hectic. We would still be there. Yeah, so so we worked on that. That was a couple weeks of us kind of preparing and getting ready to go. And uh, other than that, it's really been, you know, we're still, you know, we've moved our offices from Petaluma to to San Rafael, which I think you got to see a little bit of uh, the San Rafael office, so it's a little bit more space. And we're looking at some good shooting locations down here in San Rafael now that we're here. And um, so we're really excited to be here and just kind of, you can't, I, I was gloss to be in over, you can't just gloss over we were at the White House, blah, blah, blah. I mean, people were like, what, what the heck were you doing at the White House, We Alex? had an interview. We had an interview with the, the you know, the leader of the free world. That so, guy. yeah. So, so anyway, so we had, um, uh, you know, of course, every year we've been in, we've been working for the last, I guess, this is our fifth one uh, with, with the president. And basically, YouTubers come in and uh, get to ask questions. So if you do, if you go to YouTube and search interview with the president 2016, you'll see these YouTubers. They were great, uh, great um, uh, YouTubers that were asking great questions. And so our job, of course, is to figure out how 
on a with a very short amount of time how do we load into the east room and get all set up and make everything look nice and we shot the whole thing in 4k um we we, uh, streamed it at 1080p to youtube because that's the highest resolution that it supports right now but we shot the whole thing on on black magic cameras and they were all very high res and it looked i think it looked pretty good it looked looked pretty damn good i mean it looks <laughs> i'll say it it looks it looks pretty damn good but you know you gotta you know not to go into to too much detail in the behind the scenes but there's a there's a large amount of brain power gear and just plain old tenacity that goes into making it look effortless <laughs> yeah it looks like you're just walking from one place to the other but but there's yeah there was blocking there's blocking weeks before to figure things out and then there was more blocking and then there was rehearsals and then there was process and the idea is to make it as you know stress-free for the president as possible and but also make it kind of just go from one thing to the next and we played around with this idea of these moving sets last year he went from set to set to set and we went to this idea of moving the sets and, and I thought it worked really well. It was really fun to have the YouTubers, uh, you know, push their own set off. off. Yeah, I know. And, and what was Frederick doing there, Alex? What was, what you, was are, you are the FOPO. So you are the <laughs> FOPOTUS. So Frederick is the, uh, is the, is, is every year uh, since the first year, I think that it's been, yeah. it's been, you know, uh, uh, Frederick has a, a couple unique, attributes being almost exactly the same height and you know same roughly the same build as the president and yeah. he's able to answer the questions as least at least as good as the president right <laughs> right no, no, it's yeah. really funny you guys i mean you'll never get to see the outtakes but but the the funniest thing is that frederick uh, actually you know you suddenly feel like you really feel like it, you're you're in it in the rehearsals and so frederick yeah. uh, has uh, been um, has been in- integral these, I got uh, most of the questions almost right this time. Most of the questions I, I were very know. close. There were a couple of times where I was watching, and I was like, "That's exactly what Frederick said." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm just nodding. I'm looking around like, "Yeah, did you hear that?" That was yeah. what I. <laughs> so, um, cool. So, yeah, it was, it was good. So that, that's what we. Uh, and from the geek perspective, you know, this was. Um, you know, a big change for us. We're slowly moving to 4K, and uh, and so we pretty much had a full 4K system there, and we're really happy with uh, with the performance of the cameras that we got. Um, so yeah. that was uh, yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit later because I want to get one of those cameras to use instead of the this this webcam, this Logitech yep. webcam yep. that I normally use. So we'll talk about that. Um, also on the show, welcome Alex, by the way. So also on the show is my good friend, Mr. Martin Bailey. Martin, what's going on with you? Last time we spoke, you were. I had made some unfortunate off-color joke about you going out into the frozen tundra and not coming back with all your fingers, right? So I apologize for that joke, but you clearly have come back with all your digits. So I, it's I am digitized in the wrong sense <laughs> of the word. Um, Tin digitized. Yeah. How'd that go? No, it was great. Um, I I just started a travelogue series of podcasts this week. I'm going to try and rec- pre-record the next two as well i've selected yeah. i came back with like 101 images that i feel are good enough to show people and i just started a podcast series yesterday where I, in the first of the three um I, I selected 36 images i like to do 10 per per week um yeah. but i i went to 12 because i just couldn't get down past 36 <laughs> um and i i started a series i'm going to try my hardest because uh, i'm traveling again from next sunday I go on my first winter wonderland, the wildlife tours. Um, so I do three tours a season in the winter here now in Japan. And I have one week between them all to catch up after the last one and go and leave for the next. But so that I've got something in the pipe, I'm hoping to record the next two episodes 
before I leave on Sunday. So they'll be they'll be released automatically while I'm away. Um, but yeah, it was great. We this was the last one was a, a just landscape specific tour, and we had you know people often talk about even our bus driver, but he he works with other photographic group, you know, photography groups, and he'll say everyone gets up and when it's cloudy, they're all in, they're all upset. They all want blue skies, and you guys, you know, all I'm ever talking about is oh crap, it's clear. Yeah, you know, it's like give give me give me any kind of precipitation. That's all I want. You know, it either has to be snowy, misty, whatever. But I want something in the air. Um, and it, and at the very least, I just want a really nasty sky, and it just minimalizes everything. Um, so I mean, if anyone's interested, just go over to my blog. There'll be links in the show in the show notes and stuff. But um, yesterday's is it's got some really nice minimalist winter landscapes in there, and uh, it's just. You know, the group, we had an amazing time. There's 12 of us, um, well, 13, including me, plus our, our ground staff. And we just had a great time uh, in Hokkaido, the northern island of Japan. Um, we went right up to the northernmost tip. And, and the great thing about this tour is there's really no one else doing these kind of tours at the moment. So I'm taking people to places that people don't normally get to go. And we're in, yeah. there, we're in there at the, I mean, we were shooting in anything from minus, minus five to minus 10 each day. Um, and how did the gear, all like your gear and the participants' gear, hold up in in those kind of crazy it, conditions? It's it's fine. I mean, uh, the there was a couple of people had um, minor problems with their gear, especially when you're out in it for a while. And if it's snowing, and the what I had one problem that I've never had before, and that was on my on my Canon 5DS, I must have got some um, some moisture down in the shutter button and I couldn't press it because it, it, the moisture must have frozen when I went outside. I probably was out, got some snow on it, got a bit of moisture in there, then put it in my bag and it warmed up and, and you know got down in there. And then when I went back out, it, it froze. And so my shutter button stopped working for a few hours um, until it just basically unfroze and then probably evaporated and it was fine again. Um, right. But minor problems like that, the gear generally holds up to it. And people were shooting with all sorts. Um, we had some people with phase ones. We had um, some people with mirrorless cameras. Um, obviously, your, your Nikon, Canon crowd. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the gear holds up pretty well, and and it's not that cold. I mean, minus minus five to minus ten. I've got no idea what that is in Fahrenheit. But um, you know, I've actually just started giving out um, temperatures in Kelvin on the tours because it's <laughs> <laughs> we need like a, a universal yeah. temperature measure. Kelvin will do just fine. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, cool. Welcome back to the show, man. It's always, Thank you. always a pleasure to have you on. My pleasure. Um, let's, uh, let's dive into story number one. Um, let me read this blurb that, uh, that Bruce put in here for us. This, this comes to us from Petapixel. So this is about Corbus being sold uh, by Bill Gates to the Visual China Group. So one of the largest photo collections in the world was just sold. Corbus, which is owned by Bill Gates, I guess was owned by Bill Gates, has sold off its images business to Visual China Group, China's equivalent of Getty Images. VCG is the same company that uh, led a $13 million investment in 500px in, uh, just last year. And we had Yevgeny Chabotarov come on to talk about that. And it's partnering, uh, the company is also partnering with 500px to expand their reach into China. So this is interesting. So we get, we'll link to this, uh, to this article that's over on Petapixel. But I wanted to talk about this in the context of the stock area in general like two years ago there was we did like i don't know it was like every other story was about 
micro stock going away or micro stock killing the normal stock photography business or the Corbett, the Corbett and the Gettys of the world being replaced by the iStock photos and the shutter stocks and all those guys. Um, and now we're seeing more kind of movement in the space. Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. You, you're kind of, you're an image maker. I mean, you, you sit right in the middle in the nexus of all this stuff. What do you, what do you think? I mean, is that, is that space still viable or is it just kind of dissipating off? Well, I don't think, I think that, stock photography itself has become just part of what everybody does. I mean, I think that a lot of people don't understand how uh, pervasive stock photography is, but almost all those little web articles and all of the prout the presentations that you see and all of the, you know, like just massive amounts of all of those things, many brochures that we use, all of that is stock photography. No one goes out and does a shoot of a, you know, pretty woman holding up a Erlenmeyer flask with her little glasses on or whatever. I mean, doing that shoot is four or $5,000 or you buy a stock image for $25. I mean, it's just yeah. the math, you know, completely works for doing stock. Now, I do think that shooting for stock, it, unless you really, you know, the hard part is shooting for stock and, and making a living at it. And I know we have some contributors to TWIP that, that do that. Yeah. But it's a really hard business in my opinion because it, it is one of those things that's kind of like gonna be an app developer on the app store. You really have to know what you're doing. You have to find a niche that makes you different and you have to do it really well because otherwise I think you're you're really in a in a hard position because there is so much great photography now yeah. and great graphics. But I go up I'm constantly using stock photography, you know, stock photography from a couple different services, but I am um constantly buying it. I mean I, I'd probably spend I'm our company probably spends 500 to 800 bucks a month on, yeah, yeah. on stock photography. And that's, and that saves us thousands of dollars. You know, yeah. it's, it's we use it on TWIP too. I mean, TWIP, yeah. TWIP, it was, it's interesting. Um, what was it, about a year or so ago when we post our, our posts for TWIP, we normally pull the images from Shutterstock and, you know, we grab an image that kind of is representative of the main topic of that show and right. you know, pull it together and drop it in there. And someone sent in a, a message and they said something to the effect of, you know, it's always the snarky starts with a smile, you know, and right. insert negative comment ending with another wink, you know, <laughs> so right. it was, it seems kind of interesting that a photography podcast would be, you know, not creating its own original images for the blog posts. And I'm thinking, you know how long it would take to create right. and how much, how expensive it would be to do that. You know, I, had, I remember when I first designed uh, the, the DB Garage website, you know, I wanted to have little items. My DB, the DB Garage, the original DB Garage website is probably up there in the archive.org or whatever. It was the funkiest website ever because I, I wanted to look a very specific way. And so there was no text on it, which was stupid, but it was all imagery. So even every piece of text was imagery because I just yeah. wanted to look the way I wanted to look, you know. And I wanted little symbols that, you know, contact us had a little phone. And so the phone is a perfect example of, I, I mean, I went to shoot a phone and I tried to find the right phone and I did this thing and I put the lighting on it and I had, a, I built a little psych for it. And it was like a day, it was like a day of me sitting there like fiddling around with it. And I still wasn't super happy with what I, what I ended up with. I mean, there was a couple of things that I was like, oh, I'll go back tomorrow. And I, then I found a stock photo for 20 or 20 bucks or something. And I was like, oh. It was way better. And it came with an alpha channel. I mean, it was like, it didn't, I didn't even, you know, I was like, it, yeah. you know, I was like, I was like, what am I doing? So yeah. that was the end of that. Stock photography freezes up to do other stuff, right? I do I think mean, that you, you don't want to use it for everything, obviously, but for things right. like you're mentioning, like these kind of like, you know, really targeted things. Yeah, of course. It well, makes perfect sense. Also great. 
the FPOs are also great just for ideas. Even if you're going to go out and shoot it yourself, a lot of times when we're talking to clients, I'll run out and grab a whole bunch of stock and just get the, the four placement only, the FBOs, and, mm -hmm. and you know, maybe we'll buy them and maybe we'll go out and shoot them to make them individual for the client. But the, the other thing to look at is just searching through stock imagery because it gives you a great, you know, gives you a whole bunch of, in, in half an hour, I can have a whole bunch of great images that I can show the client that the client goes, oh, I like that. I like that feel. I like that look. So you can also use it for brainstorming. And then and then go back and buy it if they if they decide that's exactly the image you want or you can you know not you know not buy it and shoot and, your own it's something yeah, like use it as inspiration this, but a little like that and yeah yeah, yeah do it like this but turn it to the left a little bit and make it green you know exactly exactly yeah. cool well Martin I know you know Alex mentioned that some some of the people that appear on TWIP are con contributors to stock agencies you're one of them right I know you you're a contributor to one of the high-end stock agencies who like first of all who is that and tell us about your experience doing that well I I contribute to Offset and Offset mm -hmm. are like a sister company to Shutterstock um, it's their mm -hmm. high-end curated stock library and so I mean I when I see my reports I'm selling maybe three to 10 images a month. But when I sell 10 images, it pays the rent. Well, if I sell five images, it pays the rent rather than someone that's doing the more micro stock where they need to sell 500 images to pay the rent. Um, and, but you know, both model, models are viable. I think that the, the important thing is for me, um, as Alex was just saying, you know, if you're going to shoot stock, you have to really be specific about shooting stock. I saw the classic stock image on the, uh, what was it, VCG's website. I went over there this morning when I saw the show notes. And they've got the one with everyone in the cinema with the 3D glasses on going, you know. And you can just imagine the guy renting the cinema on a Sunday morning when there's no one in there and setting it up with all of his friends as extras. And people that shoot stock like that work hard for the craft. And, and you know, that all power to them. Um, the good thing about Offset for me is that they came to me and asked me to join on the premise that I would simply give them my my current work and anything that I make that is that they think is good enough to be, to be you know saleable. So yeah. I don't make stock. I they just they sell my nature and wildlife and my you know my general work. And so for me that's valuable because it's I don't have to do anything extra. Um, but they it's not the same really as a, as a, a stock site where they need pictures of people in cinemas going like this. At the, right, so, right. you know, it's so more fine art, right? right, right. And so, you know, it works for me. Um, literally, I mean, the, the last payment for, for a month of sales did pay my, pay my rent for that month. It's just that, that I think that the important thing here, especially with regard to this story is that, you know, there's a lot of lack of control over images. I mean, I would hate for offset or, you know, and, and there's, this is just me um, thinking out loud here. There's no no background available or anything like that. But I would hate it if, for example, somewhere like VCG or any of the big stock sites that sells images for next to nothing bought offset, bought Shutterstock, and then the next thing I've got no control over my images that I'm I only want my images in high end stock. Right, I don't want it right. selling for for a dollar and me getting twenty five cents. Um, you know that. 
I've, I've got hundreds of images from Flickr from years ago that Getty say they want to sell, but you look at their, their um, terms and conditions and I'd get like 25 cents for image and none of my images are worth 25 cents. <laughs> They're not yeah. worth anything. Um, no, okay. So, they, so you know, what the point is, is that I, I think that it's dangerous with the way the world is going at the moment in, in that people that contribute to, to stock sites like that uh, can find themselves in a very sticky situation where their work is sold on and they lose control over where it goes. So yeah. that, that's the biggest thing about this, this story for me. You know, the, I, I think that, I mean, if I could just go on, I think that the, there's a lot of good things that could come out of this. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm hoping that because China's not got the, the best reputation for respecting intellectual property. Um, mm. And I think that what I, what I would hope is that VCG takes these images and becomes um, such a big power in China that they start to be able to educate the Chinese public um, about how to use images and how to actually do it as a good global player. Uh, you know, yeah. there, there's, like, there's iTunes. A, like when iTunes showed up and kind of gave the public a legal, easy way to get music versus mm. the, you know, arguably illegal way, which was Napster at the time. Exactly. You know, yeah. Snatching it. Yeah. 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 I think I think they're in a position to actually help the industry. Um, I, I also think that they could just as easily hurt it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this progresses. And uh, and I just hope that some some good comes out of it. I've seen there's some conversations that. Um, are linked from the I think it was Padapix on this one um, mm -hmm. there where people are saying oh you know I, I was with such and such a, an agency and then they got sold by they got bought by so and so and now they're in this set this and people are losing mm -hmm. control of their images all the time we have to wait and see on this one Alex, Alex do you think this is a good thing this consolidation in the space I think it's inevitable. I don't know if, you know, I, I think that whether it's a good thing or not, I, I, I'm not sure. I think that, um, you know, I think that you're going to see more and more investment in these areas. And, and, and there's so many different ones. I don't know how they all make money. I think that in this case, you know, it just made, made it was the right time to get out. I mean, I think that it's, it's a more and more competitive uh, business. If you're uh, going to move these things around, I think we'll see more, probably more consolidation because I think there's too many different stock agencies that are out there right now competing against each other. Um, I think that they, they need to consolidate to, to, you know, rationalize their, their investment. Yeah. Well, I agree. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see as, as with, we always say this on Twitter, we got to wait and see, this is a consolidation in this space. We'll see like Martin, what you're saying, is it, is it going to lead to people under in China, especially that large market understanding better how to use stock imagery, or are we going to see a change in the rights of how these images are used, which would be negative for the con the contributors. Interesting. Um, let's move on to number two. This is a this is a kind of a funny, interesting story. So Canon's latest creative experiment, again from our friends over at Petapixel, says um, the lab in quotes is a series of six creative experiments being conducted by photographers or on photographers by Canon Australia. This is experiments being conducted on photographers. <laughs> so early efforts were interesting. Six photographers were asked to shoot portraits of the same subject while given different backstories. And another six were asked to shoot photos of the same subject with no repeats. Um, and so basically they're, they're doing all these weird things as kind of a marketing exercise and the different photographers are taking different tacks on how to accomplish this task, all under the auspices of you know, Canon and using Canon's gear. 
Um, their their tagline for this is creative creativity needs nothing but you is what they're 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 saying about this. And Canon Australia titled this experience this experiment blank in capital letters creating something from nothing. Alex, this is a marketing campaign. Clearly, is this a good way for Canon to be promoting? Canon cameras, do you think, or I think so. I think so. I, I think that I think that you know wh whether all of them I think are successful. I think is irrelevant. I think that yeah. one of the things that is is really interesting. I did watch the one a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, of the of the uh, the person that they have one person. They everyone gave them different backstories, and yeah. and they all shot him very very differently. And I and I love I love seeing multiple people approach the same problem, and just see how they how they deal with it now. You know, I think that, that you could have done something as simple as, well, let's, here's a model, and without any backstory, just have six photographers shoot them. Because, right. you know, and let, let them look at them and not, like, I think one, one that would be interesting was for them not to know anything about the subject. Mm -hmm. And have them think about what that is and who they think that person is. And then design a, photo, you know, a, a photo round with that person. Um, but I think that, you know, giving, it's a little bit more forced, I think, to give them you know, uh, completely different backgrounds. Yeah. But I thought it, I thought it produced some really, really interesting results as far as how they approached it. Um, I think that, uh, uh, I, I love the idea of doing artistic projects. I mean, I think the corporations have to look at ways to create interesting content. It can't just be about an advertisement. Yeah. You know, Features and benefits. Marketing. It has to be content. They have to create content. And, and so thinking about an interesting way to create content that is tangentially connected to, uh, their business, I think, makes a lot of sense. I, mean, I think that that's how you get a lot of viewers. You get I'm gonna steal that. Up. I'm stealing yeah. that, Alex. I'm stealing a term: <laughs> tangential experiential marketing. <laughs> I like there you it. Go. Yeah. I, I like or tangential experiential storytelling. Yeah, I exactly. It's but, cool. You know, I, mean, just, I, I think you hit it right on the head, though. I mean, we, we like stories, right? We gravitate towards stories rather than just the same old bullet points, features and benefits, more megapixels, you know, all this stuff. Show I us, mean, show, me, show me the money. Perfect example of this is Red Bull. Red Bull has built an entire brand around things that have nothing to do with their drink. You know, yeah. you know, so when we think of Red Bull, we think of we think of racing and we think of out, you know, but we also think of music artists and we think of all kinds of other things that Red Bull connects the brand to. And it's just an energy drink. But it, it, we don't have the same connection to Red Bull that we have with Monster or with many of the other ones because they just have a different kind of campaign that doesn't really give the brand any kind of gravitas that, yeah. that Red Bull, I think, has been much more successful at. So I think that taking a page from that, that kind of approach of these are the things around our brand that, that we think exemplify what we do. And I think that the experimentation, and I also love Canon investing in photographers doing stuff. I think that, I think many people should do that. I, <laughs> with, with, I agree. You know. I agree. Martin, I want to have you chime on this. This reminds me of the, uh, you guys remember what was like 10 years ago or something? BMW did this ad campaign with Clive Owen. It was called The Driver, right? Yeah. It was like a series of really well shot short movies with him as a driver, kind of James Bond style with him driving around. And, you know, and he was obviously always in a BMW and just showing what the car could do in the context of these crazy races and car chases and all that. That was fantastic. I think I bought a BMW because of that. <laughs> Martin, Martin, I'm not even kidding. Martin, Martin, what do you think? Are you, is, it, is this tangential, experiential storytelling the way to go? Or should, should companies like Canon stick to features and benefits? 
<laughs> no, I think it the series is really well produced. I think it's it's got that sort of um I, I like I I want to say Apple-esque sort of feel about it. You know, it's yeah. the it's the yeah. quiet sort of the smooth back, background music. Very well produced. Um I think that the concept itself, uh, you know, just throwing people into a situation and seeing what they can do is great. It, it does force creativity. Um I think that the Overall, the like Alex mentioned earlier, the one with the guy when they gave they gave six different backstories and the the images came out so totally different. I mean, the guy looked like a convict in the in the one where he'd, she'd be, the, he'd been the photographer had been told he'd just come out of prison. Um, yeah. Even the one without any fishing gear, he, he felt almost like a fisherman on his off day when he when he'd been told he was a commercial fisherman. You know, the, and the images they. they the photographers did a great job, and I thought it was a great experiment. Um, the I've watched a few of these videos, and there's not that many of them. I've watched a few, and I think that as far as the each individual video is concerned, they've done a good job. I think that the last one where they were giving given nothing was probably the least successful as far as looking at the content <laughs> of the video is concerned. Because I mean, yeah, I understand the point. Photography is about the creativity of the photographer. You know, we are the controller of the camera and, and for, probably for at least a few more decades, if not for eternity, hopefully, we'll be creating the content because of what's up here, not what's in our hands or, you know, how we actually create it, uh, you know, actually record it. So the the message is great. But I think, you know, when you look at the, the one where they give the photographers absolutely nothing except a blank studio and then it finishes with like, you know, that message which was, what is it? Uh, creativity needs nothing but you. Uh, right. I, you know, it, it works as a marketing message. And, and at the end of the day, we're talking about it right now, probably because of this last, this last most weird video. Um, and it's probably going to get people going back and looking at the other ones, people that have not even heard of the series. So it's a success, a total success, because people are yeah. talking well, about I it. Well, um, I agree. Yeah, that's the whole point of a marketing campaign is to get people talking about right, these things. Right. And, you know, just to, to, to leave it on a different point, the, it does, a campaign like this does, like you were saying, Martin, does illustrate the power that photographers have in terms of interpreting and passing along. Because you look at these, these are kind of microcosm controlled experience, controlled experiences in a studio, mm. then you look kind of overlay that the way that the photographer can mold and shift what the subject looks like in the story and you apply that to photojournalism, mm. right? So now you say, okay, this story that this photographer is telling can be told, this subject can be, can be made to look like a villain, a hero, a, you know, a victim, whatever, you know, and that's, that's all in the hands of, of the photographer. So it's interesting mm. just to see how, you know, they kind of put a fine point on the power that we have as image makers. Mm. Well, and I think that one of the things is we look at brands overall, whether it's, whether it's Canon or whether it's, uh, you know, General Mills or anything else that the, the world of advertising is starting to tighten up where, you know, it is going to get harder and harder to just put out a sales message. Um, you know, we're blocking ads, we're, you know, doing something. And what you have to look at is you look at the Super Bowl, which is going to happen in two weeks or a little less than two weeks. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the Steelers aren't playing, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh fan. Um, all I care about now is the ads. 
So, <laughs> so they're going to release all the ads on YouTube like the day of or the day before, and I don't need to watch the Super Bowl anymore because all really? I want to see is. But, but, but the thing is, is it's because they they've realized that the only way to get people to watch and to stay, they've created an event almost to watch these great 30 second to 60 second stories that, 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 you know, that are just outlandish, you know, you know, that, you know, that, that they spent, you know, millions of dollars on, you know, for 30 seconds. And so, but I think that that is, um, you know, they're, they're funny. They're not just a sales pitch. They're funny. They tell some story. They're goofy. They're, they're entertainment. Hmm. You know, they're as much entertainment oftentimes as the football game. Yeah. And probably I would argue more. So yeah, 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 exactly. So, so they're very, and, and I think that when we see that, when we see, uh, you know, Pepsi did this big thing where they're investing $20 million in people making a difference in the world. There's, you know, when you look at brands saying, okay, we're going to do something in the world. We're going to make a difference. We're going to make you laugh. We're going to do something that's interesting. Those are things, that's the next generation of advertising. It is not going to be a billboard that just tries to sell you a product or a, you know, or just a, a straight on commercial. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that survives for a little while, but we see that just slowly, you know, slowly evolving into something much more. Alex, prepare yourself because when we get to your pick of the week, I want to talk about uh, in the context of consumer tools, how the tools are evolving to allow us to give us new different and different ways to tell stories yeah, as absolutely. image makers. And, and it's almost the tools are evolving faster than our ability to be creative and tell the story. So like I said on uh, screensavers, we were talking about the, um, the thing that you're going to be showing your pick of the yeah. week. <laughs> but I said something like, yeah, I was trying to, this was before I really understood what he could do. I was like, this, this looks like a cure in search of a disease, right? Right, but, right, right. Right? Because there's like, okay, what do I do with this thing? But you'll right. talk about that a little bit. All right, we're going to take a quick break, guys. When we come back, we're going to talk about presets. Are they helpful for photographers? Or are they just helping to produce cookie cutter photographers? This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use invoicing solution that's helping freelancers and small business owners get organized and save time invoicing. You can try FreshBooks for free. Just head over to freshbooks.com twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. And as I've said on This Week in Photo before, we use FreshBooks as the back end to basically run most of the stuff behind the scenes on this business to keep the lights on and to keep everybody happy. Because as we all know, as creative professionals, we're not necessarily focused on capturing our income, expenses, and tracking billable time and all that. And I think the reason that we don't capture all of those things is simple. It's boring. We're creatives. We like fun stuff. We like Photoshop and Lightroom and you know all these other cool things that let us express that side of our brain and thankfully FreshBook offers us as small business owners a way to quickly and easily keep track of our time and money without disrupting our workflow or you know sort of messing with our creative juices with FreshBooks you can invoice clients it's easy you can do it in seconds and expenses can be automatically imported so that you don't have to lift a finger you're just doing the stuff on the back end while you do other cool stuff you can even track billable time as easy as starting a timer on your on your mobile phone you can whip up business reports you can stay on top of your income expenses and tax time is coming up so with a couple of clicks you can generate reports for your CPA or your accountant so that you're staying out of trouble. So grab some popcorn, learn how to fresh books by watching some of their free getting started webinars. I'm a big fan of webinars and they've got some excellent ones online for you to check out. 
Once again, if you want to check FreshBooks out, you can just head over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP, enter the code This Week in Photo or TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section to start your free 30-day trial. All you need is an email address to uh, to try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go over to freshbooks.com slash TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And we want to thank FreshBooks for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, let's dive into this next discussion before we get into the Q&A and all that stuff. So um, I was going to spend a large amount of time on this, but we're already almost through the show. So we'll just spend <laughs> the normal amount of time. Um, so this is about waging war with Visco. And this was a story from F-Stoppers. It was titled Waging War with Visco or VSCO, that app, and why I hate simple preset systems. Um, so essentially what they're talking about in the, the gist of the article is that these presets like that are in Visco and in, in Instagram, et cetera, Google Photos, et cetera, they are creating a, a generation of photographers that don't really understand how to get to the looks that these presets are creating, thereby creating cookie, cookie cutter photographers with, you know, they're paying attention to composition, lighting and all that, but the overall post-processing of the image is kind of going out the window and they're handing that over to some algorithms. Um, I don't know, Martin, what, what do you think? I mean, is it is it that? Are we old school photographers? And, you know, are we the guys that are like, in my day, I used to use alpha channels and channel operations and layers to get this effect. And you whippersnappers are using these presets. You know, what, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's... It's, it's dangerous in that I think that anyone that wants to become a photographer and not just a sort of a, a happy snapper needs to learn how to create images initially that really either don't need anything like, you know, presets, uh, presets applied to them or give you a good base, a solid base to create what you envision, you know, what, what you visualize to begin with. There, and there's certainly a danger in just giving someone a, a button to press and it just it pow, and you've got your image there. Um, I think that they sure you're going to end up with cut, the cookie cutter type photographers. I think that there's value in presets in that they, especially I mean, for example, Lightroom presets. When you apply a preset in Lightroom, you can see where all the sliders have been moved to, and Lightroom can be quite difficult to understand how to get a certain look. But I think that they. In my opinion, they they work best as a as an education tool to show people how to achieve a certain look. You buy a set, Craft and Vision have some. Um, you can buy a set of presets and you press it, and you can go along and look and see. Okay, also oh, that's how that's the slider to move to to make this look. So as an educational tool, I think they're they're really valuable. But honestly, I I take the I took a look at the Craft and Vision uh, presets from one of their books. They're great. They're, they really are good. And if you're just trying to learn the tool, it really is invaluable. But as soon as I'd looked at what's in there, I deleted it again because mm. I don't want to rely on presets of someone else's vision. I heavily rely on presets, but they're all ones that I create myself. And yeah. so, and, that, and that's what I think too. I mean, I mm. think there are the presets um, – and I don't really use presets that much, but when I do use them, usually it's in Lightroom. And even in Instagram, I don't find myself really using presets mm. that much, you know, I, if I at don't. all. I usually do my processing in Snapseed, and then I'll drop it into Instagram mm. and, you know, not let Instagram do anything to it. But in, in Lightroom, it's more of a, 
you know, I think, I don't know if they designed it, if this was the original impetus behind putting presets in there, but it's like a starting point. It gets you to a point where you're like, okay, that's close, mm. but let me add a little bit more clarity mm. or let me, you know, desaturate this a little more than mm. where you got me to. Mm. Alex, what, what about you? I mean, you're more in the video world of, of, of stuff, but like presets as a general concept, what, what do you think? It's kind of like when 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 you see someone who's who started using uh, transitions in in video, <laughs> you know, and there's like the there's the you know the, there might be some wipes, but then there's like the star transition yeah, and the, yeah. you know all these other things, you know, and then, and then we're gonna add some lens flares, you know, and, and and so there's there's all these things that people add that, that that look really cool the first time you do them, and to most professionals, you know, that is a big billboard that says I am an amateur. You know, like yes. I have, I have just learned how to use my computer. And so, <laughs> so I think that in the same way that you might have, you know, little weird little star, you know, filters people would put on their cameras, you know, to get a certain effect. And, and I think that, I, I think that it really, but it, what it really boils down to is whether the user is committed to be, to committed to mastery of their art or whether they're just having fun and they're posting something on their Facebook page. You know, yeah, so I think right, that right. I think presets and filters are great. If you have no commitment, you're not going to become a, a professional photographer. You're not going to be even trying to become a great photographer. You just want to have your pictures look kind of cool and, and you want to put them up on Instagram or whatever. You want to put them up on your Facebook page and you're 16 years old or you're 30 years old or whatever. <laughs> but you're not, you know, there's many things that I'm not committed to being really great at. And so I don't spend any time thinking about them. You know, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about my car other than when I turn it, turn the ignition, it runs, you know, and then I drive and if it doesn't, if it stops doing what I expect it to, I take it to the shop and I say, it's not doing that anymore. And then they make it do that again. You know, like, like, so, right, so the right. point is, is that like, I'm very focused. Like I, I've learned a long time ago, I wasn't interested in learning how a car works. So in the same way, if you're, you might want to take photos, but you don't really care how it works. You just want to get it to your Facebook page. And I think, you know, and you want it to be not just the straight photo that, that you took with your iPhone or whatever. I think that presets are perfect for people like that. Yeah. I think that when we, when we think about wanting to be a master of what we're doing and a master is something that we might spend years or decades working on and in, in, in kind of the old fashioned sense, in that sense, we want to know exactly how that works. We want to know how ink affects the paper when we're printing on it. We want to know how light affects, you know, the size of the light, the quality of the light, the direction of the light affects our, our you know, and, and how every one of these little curves, you know, it's a, it's more of a, a, you know, working on the images becomes kind of a meditation as much as anything else. And so, so playing with those things and playing with those settings so that we truly, not just that we know how to get to the outcome, but we know why we're getting to the outcome. And that is, so if we're interested in that, I think then presets are not as interesting, you know, you know, and I think that they are just like you guys have talked about, they're great ways to push a button and kind of see, oh, I see, you know, I see how they got, how they did that. And then erase that and then go back and play with it and get back to that, but in your own way. And I think that, and then when you do that, you truly understand, you know, what you're doing. And in the end, you know, you're going to have a lot more uh, capability and a lot more flexibility in the future. Very well put, very well put. There's a new photography conference on the scene and it's called Out of Chicago. And it's the brainchild of my friend, Chris Smith. The event happens in Chicago, June 24th through 26th, and this will be the third year and the biggest yet. This year, the lineup of speakers is kind of incredible, featuring amazing photographers and educators like Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Scott Bourne, Valerie Jardin, and even myself. 
There'll be cool workshops, portfolio reviews, photo walks, photo crawls, and a ton more. And I'll be leading several workshops, including the Time Traveling Photographer, the Photographer's Guide to Marketing, and more. Plus, we'll be recording an episode of TWIP live in front of an audience. So you can join us and ask questions, and maybe you'll even make it into the show. So here's a really good part. For a limited time, the Out of Chicago team is knocking $100 off the registration price if you use the code TWIPCHICAGO when you sign up. Remember, this event happens June 24th through 26th, so sign up now and use the code TWIPCHICAGO to get a full $100 knocked off of the ticket price. Just head over to twip.pro slash OOC to see all the details. That's twip.pro slash OOC. And I'll see you in the Windy City. All right, guys, let's move on to listener Q&A. Um, each, week, each week, we take on a question from one of our listeners. This week's question comes to us from Serge, and he says, what's the best way to protect my camera from the elements? I like to photograph landscapes and wildlife, and I find myself often having to deal with the elements and extreme temperatures. Even though I don't shoot stuff underwater, would an underwater camera housing be a smart investment for land photography? All right. <laughs> you know who I'm going to point this at, Martin. <laughs> you just you just came back from, you know, the frozen tundra up there in Hokkaido, right on the right within arm's reach of Russia. So <laughs> how, what do you think? Should, should uh, just to protect your camera in cold weather, should a underwater housing be, the, be on the equipment list? Yeah. So the, the underwater housing idea, just throw that out because they make cameras difficult to use and they're very expensive and you have to buy a new one every time you buy a camera. Um, unless we're talking about the little point-and-shoot cameras, and and it's total overkill. Um, most cameras will work fine with uh, just a. I, I generally just use either a, a cloth over the, over the, just drape it over the camera, or I I've started to use these you know those um, like microfiber travel towels, the ones that mm -hmm. they're like this big but they suck up a lot of water. They're relatively yeah, yeah. expensive. They're like 15, 15 bucks for a decent size one. But if you if you just drape them over your ta your uh, gear while you while it's either raining or snowing or whatever, it's generally enough. I I don't do any more than that. If you really want to use it consistently in in heavy rain and you know that your camera is not weatherproof, then you can buy like five dollars. I can I can probably find a link for these on on B and H. But you can buy, they're, they're like shower caps, but they're designed for specific cameras. You have ones with longer, oh, yeah. longer lens, mm -hmm. for longer lenses, shorter lenses. Um, and then there is the shower cap. You know, a lot of people use just the shower cap, stick it over there. Um, I never use those. I, I, I don't feel it's necessary to use plastic because the generally the wicking effect of, of something like the travel towels that I just mentioned is enough to stop stop the water getting in there. Uh, but it really does depend on on how weatherproof your camera is, and if it's not weatherproofed at all, you might want to go for something a little bit more robust. But I I don't use a weatherproof camera now. I've sold my One DX. Um, the Canon Five Ds are not weatherproof. You know, some people think they are. They're not. Um, and I've broken a, a Canon Five D in Iceland by testing it but it took about six to seven hours in torrential rain for it to actually die. Um, no, and that was without putting anything over it. So I went back to just putting my cloth over the, over the top and I've never had a problem. So for me, that's, that's all I do. Put something over there, 
Um, it's also useful to know that most, if you're a Canon shooter, if you're using L lenses, most of them are weatherproof. So you only have to really worry about the body. Um, but yeah, it definitely not, not a, an underwater housing. Yeah. And, it's a uh, little, little bit overkill. Yeah. yeah I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that Alex, yeah. I know you have, you have some thoughts on this too. What, what's a, what's a good way to go for protecting yeah. your camera? I mean, I think that when when I've traveled and I and I suddenly find myself wanting to shoot and and it's inclement weather and 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 for me it's a mixture of it can be rainy but it also can be dusty which is actually dust is mm. and sand is way harder to deal with um, than uh, I mean a lot of times there's certain places that we've shot in Africa where we basically just know at the end of the shoot I'm not going to use the camera yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know like like we just bid it out as camera's lost. I'm going to take it. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to, you know, buy some lenses and, and a camera and, and it's going to, I have to bid it into the project that I'm just not going to, I'm buying it for that project. And then when I get done with it, I'll give it to somebody or something like that, but I'm never going to try to use it again because it's got grit everywhere. So, um, we, we even then we still do the best we can. If, if I get caught unexpectedly needing to go out, I've been known to take trash, trash bags, <laughs> then, you know, and, um, and rubber, rubber band them to the outside mm. of the, you know, the front of the lens and mm, kind of yep. get myself back there so I can take photos so that, you know, if it's really rainy and I'm just trying to do it, that, that works. If you know, you're going into that, um, you know, there's some you know, great camera bags that not camera, not waterproof housing, but camera bags. Um, we used to get ones from Kata. I think it's now Manfrotto that we, you know, had for, it's not a specific camera. It just kind of is designed to kind of generally get onto that front of that lens and might wrap around it and then come back. And you have kind of a clear area you can put your hands into and start to work with it. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, you know, that's what we've gotten in the past. I don't know if that's the best solution. It's usually, I mean, I think 90% of the time I have not planned for it and ended up yeah. with a trash bag. Um, you know, you know so, what's also good? What's good um, that I learned, I actually used this trip in Vietnam because we were heading out. We knew there was it was going to be my, my camera is weather sealed, but I we knew it was going to be a chance of showers or torrential downpour. So as I exited the hotel room, there's typically always shower caps hmm. in there, you know, oh, yeah. like like in the little boxes that are for guests. You know, I typically don't use a shower cap, but <laughs> I, would just, I would just grab it, throw it in my bag just in case. And it makes a perfect just kind of temporary protection. It's better than nothing, you know, hmm. on your camera. Yeah, so. yep, absolutely. Cool. All right. Good tips. Good tips, guys. I hope that, uh, Serge, that answers your question. Um, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show in a future episode, just visit thisweekinphoto.com, click on that submit a question link, and send us a question or leave us a voice message. All right, gents, let's jump into our Picks of the Week segment. Remember, you can pick anything to re recommend to the TWIP Army as long as it is related somehow to photography. Martin, I'm going to let you go first. What is your pick of the week? Yeah, you know, I... I haven't really had time to do part of this yet, but I'm going to still go ahead and recommend Pixie, which is a mm -hmm. pixie.com. That's P-I-X-S-Y.com. And what these guys do is basically they they trawl the web for stolen photographs of yours. You you point them at, at your own photographs. You can upload a, uh, a folder full, a, a zip file. Well, not a finger, a zip file, but you can show it like a folder full of images or you can oh, show okay. it. You show it your website, and it will go through and find your images that that you know are yours. And then it goes off. And literally, in in when I ran this, it took less than thirty seconds to give me an initial list of some three thousand images that people are basically using around the web. Um, of your of, shot. Of my shot. Three thousand. Yeah. Now the the thing is, it does find. I mean, I'm I'm sort of out there, and so I'm I'm 
I am giving images to people that interview me and things like that. So there's, it mm-hmm. finds a lot of images that you know are yours. And plus I sell stock photography and then I use sure. the same images on my own website. So it's not just a, a, a straight, okay, all 3,000 are stolen. But then you go through and you can see who is obviously st- stealing your work. Sure. And sure. this is the part that I've not done yet. But the great thing about this service is it's totally free. And all they do is when you say to them, okay, this image, I think it's stolen. Can you have your lawyers look at it? And they have a lawyer look into it and go to the person that that you think stolen it. And if they have stolen it, they get payment for it and keep half of the payment. So, and that's it. So, so that, I mean, that's, that's great. And I'm going to make time. That's a whole other revenue stream right there. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, a lot of the time, if it's just someone using it on their blog or something, I'm not even going to chase it because all they're going to do is take it down. Um, Mm-hmm. And although that if you wanted to be to really go after them, you could still, you know, use things like the Wayback Machine, prove that they were using it, um, or even just you know, print it out, do a PDF of the page to prove that they were using it before you contacted them. You could still get some sort of legal recourse. But, you know, my my main uh, target would be people that are obviously using images for commercial purposes. I'm sure. one that I've found that I'm probably gonna set the dogs on is a company that has used one of my images that has been retoned but used on the book of a cover a cover of a book now if that book sold any copies at all it's already out in the world they've got no choice but to pay me for it um, that, yeah. so the thing is is i i at the moment i've not had a chance to actually go through and give and give them a list and say okay look into this one look into this one and it's as simple as that you just tell them which ones you want them to actually go after um, I'm going to do that. But probably. Other, other than the litigation piece of this, yeah. what's what's different between was it Pixis? Hmm. Um, yeah, between that company or that service and say Teni or even um, Google Image or Google what is it Google Image Search where you can drop an image on Google and have it go look and see all the occurrences of that image where anywhere Google reaches. Well, the the, the main thing is is that those. Uh, I'm not sure about Tin Eye. I haven't used Tin Eye for a few years. Um, but the main thing is that, you know, you can just say, this is my website where all of my images are. Go find them other elsewhere. Oh, and, okay. and you can with, point it at a domain yeah. and have it just, so oh, okay. It depends. Cool. I mean, WordPress, it doesn't work so well with, but like a Flickr account or anywhere where oh. you've got them in a, in something that it knows about. Or just literally say, if I, I've got all of the images that are on my website in a folder, I can just say, okay, all of these images, go and look for them. And so, yeah. you know, with Google, you offer, you're generally doing it image by image. Um, I think you can do folders, but that was the biggest thing. And, and it's just so fast. It went, it, it went through like 10 years of images on my blog. Um, and it literally gave me a list of 3,000 images in, in about 30 seconds. It was very fast. Um, but, but for me, Scary. I mean, that, that is, that's only, that's, that's great. But the power of it is having them use their lawyers to go after the the potential right. offenders. Yeah, because that's the yeah. other piece of it. You're like, right. okay, I found that this company is using my image. Right. Now I have to take time out of my life to go find a lawyer, right. negotiate with that lawyer, see if we have a case. If we do have a case, now we have to file a cease and desist and all, yeah. all that stuff. It's a lot so of, you're saying it's a they make, they're making it almost push button easy. Right, it is. You just say, okay, that one I think is is not being, that one is one that I think, they're probably not paid anything for, um, and then, yeah. The the one one thing that I I do 
the reason why I can't just go through and say, click yes, go for that one, go for that one, is as we mentioned earlier, I do sell my images on stock webs, via uh, a stock website. And I've got no way of finding out exactly who used that image and whether or not they have a license for it. So I need to be careful. I don't want to go and, and upset, offset by saying, okay, all, you know, <laughs> all of these people that have paid good money for my images are all of a sudden being hounded by lawyers. That That's not yeah. a good thing. So I need to proceed carefully and only go after the ones that I think are potentially truly illegal. Um, and that's why it's taking me time. I, I just need to sit down and put a few days aside and say, okay, I'm going to do this now. Um, mm -hmm. But the service looks great. I'm very, I'm happy with the performance and everything. So I thought I'd make it. Seems, it like, that, it seems the way. like that should be a feature of of um, offset. You like know that 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 search find litigation give a share of the proceeds to the artist piece should why did I, this seems like it shouldn't fall in your lap it should fall in their lap you know I, if it's an image that they're serving up I totally agree but I think the the general feeling is is that most stock sites are not very good at tracking where the images actually go and I think they should be it's a good point yeah, I was gonna say that's no excuse right you exactly. know ignorance of the law is not a defense you know? right <laughs> yeah. right I, I mean they, they should I, I've asked. Um, for a a way to see who is using each of the images, you know, what kind of license do they have? Who is actually using it? And th this is something that I've not been able to get from Offset, and I'm sure it's exactly the same, if not worse, with with other stock agencies. Sure. So yeah, yeah that's just, that's one of the the downsides of of putting your your work out there as stock. Cool. That's a, that's an excellent pick, Ben. So that, that's perfect. Uh, every photographer listening to this should definitely go check that out. Whether you got images on Flickr, 500px, or your blog, wherever, you know, why not? If you mm. can just point it at your site or point it at your Flickr installation, or you know, give it a folder full of images and just have it search the the universe for any occurrences of that image, you know, and it doesn't cost you anything. Why right. not? Exactly. All right. Cool. Thanks, Martin. That was perfect. Alex Lindsay, what is your pick of the week? All right, so uh, <laughs> which is in, it's in FedEx right now, and it's way to be. <laughs> Mine's not in FedEx. There it so, is. So, there it so is. this is the Rico Theta, and um, and so you'll see little blue lights on that. So, this what it is is a Rico Theta has a 180 degree lens on both sides of it. It's 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 a it's really small. It's about the it's, you know, depending on what kind of car you have, it's probably like two or three of your little, you know, things to open the door. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's, it's pretty small, fits in your hand really easily, has a quarter 20 on the bottom, has an HDMI and USB on the bottom. So you can charge it with USB, but you can also offload your photos pretty easily just on your computer with image capture of all things mm -hmm. on, on the Mac. And uh, the HDMI will, will put out something that we're working on being able to do something with it, but right now we can't. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so anyway, so it's, it's a pretty um, slick. It'll shoot video or or uh, stills. Stills are much higher resolution. I think the stills are now. Remember what this is shooting is 180 or 360 degrees all the way around, all the way up, all the way down. When you shoot with it, it looks like you're just pinching your finger because it basically when it when it blends this together, it actually blends itself out of the photo. And, and that's a really interesting thing because you, you know, so you get this 360 degree image of wherever you were at. And if you look at one of the places that this was used uh, recently in the presidential uh, interview, uh, the, uh, you know, they, they pull out a theta and shoot, shoot the image. And you get to see the entire, uh, you know, all of our gear in the background. And, and, and you and see me in there, too. I'm in that shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over there, like, with this little camera. Like, woo -hoo, 
you know, and uh, I'm taking it's a, it's like an inception moment. I'm taking a shot of the theta, taking a shot of the president, but I'm also yeah. in that shot. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, totally, totally. And so, so uh, it's it's really cool. And I have to say that it kind of like once you start shooting with the theta, you kind of don't want to shoot selfies anymore because it's like this thing where you get to say, hey, this is where I was at, like really where I was at. Like it's the mm-hmm. ultimate selfie, you know. And now that it's supported. The video is supported on YouTube. The the um, uh, the stills are supported on Facebook. You can also just upload it to the Theta 360 site and 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 embed it anywhere without any other work. So if you upload it from your phone as a Theta image, you can actually then just embed that on your website if you want to. And, and there's cool. the so player. there's a Theta app. There's a Theta app that goes along with it. Yeah, or? yeah, okay. yeah. It's like well, yeah. And so so anyway, so it it um yeah. There's a Theta app. There's actually so here's the other cool thing about it is that not only does Theta have a, an iPhone um, app, you know, and I think an Android app as well, but they left the control of it to uh, an API. So they actually published an API on how to run Theta. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of other applications that, you know, have been written. There's, a, you know, there's some HDR applications that are out there that, so you can have, and it's like 50 bucks. The best one is like $50. And it's, but, but what happens is you can, you can set up, you can really set up an HDR. So now you just, after all those years of us taking like one photo at a time and everything else, right, you can just right. set this guy to shoot nine exposures, you know, and, 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 you know, just put it all out there, show you a preview. You can take it into Photoshop and build your little HDR and, and boom, you're done. What's the, what's the resolution of that thing? What's the, the megapixel? I think count? it's like 58 or 5,900 wide and half of that high. So it's okay. uh, like 20, you know, so it's, you know, and I think it's only going to get better. This is the third version. It seems like they're releasing one almost every year. And um, so, so this was last year's. Um, and what model is that? That's the Theta S, right? Yes. I have a whole bunch of the of the 15s. The Theta 15s were the last one, and then there was one right before that. And so, and what we do is we also um, we give these to. Uh, we're starting to hand them out. We're testing this, but anybody who does uh, site surveys, we're having them just go out and shoot these while you're working. You know, um, mm-hmm. because you can take all the photos, but definitely take some of these because that. Now we can look around and see what the room really looks like. And of course you can put them, you can look at them on your Samsung. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that there are things that you're going to capture with this. Like my daughter was uh, uh, with the last version of this. I took, I took the Theta and I put it on a little tripod and I set it right on the other side of my of the birthday cake when my daughter was, you know, when she's, you know, five years old or uh, turning, uh, yeah, five. And, um, or six, six, I was like, six, he's turning six. Yeah. Don't get in trouble. So, so what you get to see is you get to jump in for a moment and, and it's as if you're sitting on the table, like a little miniature person, like you're sitting on the table and you're like able to look around and see all the kids that are there with her. And they're all like, you see the whole thing happening. And I, and I, and I've actually done it a couple birthdays. It's so even as an, you know, you, you, if you're not going to use, you're not really into it. It's just capturing a, a scene and a process and, a, and an experience that you just can't capture. Uh, what's, what's cool about that thing is just like, because we're, what we're talking, a lot of people are thinking like, okay, oh yeah, what's the big deal? We've had QuickTime VR forever and, you know, right. we've had all these experiences and now they're just, you know, regurgitating that technology. Mm-hmm. This thing which you glossed over a little bit, shoots video in 360 that yeah. then if you embed it, you can look around while the video, so it's like you're there. Yeah. And, 
and there are time lapse uh, uh, apps for your uh, for your phone too. So you can set this thing up to time lapse. So imagine being able to set this thing down while something's happening, and you can get a time lapse of people moving really really fast around you. If you have goggles on, you're gonna be like watching them, and they're all so it's like it's, it's like a weird space time thing that gets all turned around and. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And the bottom line is, it's just easy. If you think you, if you're interested in VR and you want to, like, you're trying to figure out, you know, cause like, like I have a bunch of VR rigs. So I have, you know, I have big rigs and I have small rigs and I have medium rigs and I've got a bunch of GoPros and I've got all this other stuff and we do all that. But you know, when I want to do a GoPro, like I have like a little six camera one. And when I want to go out and shoot, you know, I got to plan it and I got to set up all the GoPros and I got to think about it. And there's, you know, there's a process to that. And then, or I take this out and I just take photos or I take images or I take video. It's not, this isn't as good as the GoPros, but what it does do is it lets me think about it. It lets me think about the concept. It lets me think about what I want to, might want to do with production um, and experience that. And if you're thinking about VR, don't buy anything else other than this first, yeah. you know, go out and shoot this and see if that kind of content is compelling. There's been plenty of things that I've shot with the Theta that saved me a lot of time later because I shot it. And I was like, mm, that's not fun. That's not interesting at all. <laughs> you know, like, like I don't. I thought that was going to be cool to look at, but it's not. Yeah, and I was so, surprised at the quality of that thing. The, and just to note, the the video out of that is is it 720 or is it lower than 720? The new the new S15 the the new uh, Theta S um, is uh, 1080p, so okay. 30 frames a second 1080p. The last version was 720p, and okay. so um, it's good. The reality is when it's really going to spark from a professional perspective is when it goes to 4k and I don't know when that's going to happen, but when they get to 4k and you know, it's definitely, I'm sure it's in their product plan somewhere. Uh, when it gets to 4k, it starts to look pretty good. You know, yeah. the, the real place where, when, when you're talking about actually putting goggles on and looking at it, six to eight K is kind of the, the magic realm that that number is about the right size where things just feel very high when you're looking yeah. at it. And that's only, you know, and right now we can only do that in 2D when we're playing a lot of the players, you know, we can't even get to that in 3D. One of the other things we've been playing with is taking two of these thetas. I have a couple of these and, um, and you can put them side by side and they'll, you know, and then the idea is to shoot stereo with them. So we've been, we've been <laughs> of course you're doing that. <laughs> what are, you know, of course. What am I thinking? What am I well, thinking? it's a little harder than it seems because getting them aligned is, is, is correct. So in case you're wondering, um, you ever decide you want to do that uh i would suggest buying a 3d printer because then you have to print little, little things at home <laughs> yeah and it just the rabbit hole gets deeper and deeper, and deeper. <laughs> well you know if you're talking to the guy who's like I, I figured out over the weekend how to tune my uh sous vide you know i make you do sous vide and i i figured out how to tune my water heater to medium rare you know on you know for sous vide cooking so that when the water yeah. comes out of the tap it's already ready to cook the steak at just the right temperature. The sous Only Alex. <laughs> Only Alex Lindsay. So one, one last question on the Theta. So with the video, and this may be an obvious question, you can move with the video. The, the Theta doesn't need to be stationary while it's recording, or can you? Okay, yeah, you can definitely move it. You can definitely move it. The one thing you have to be careful of is, is sudden movements. Um, you know, the, the challenge with, the, with, with our brain is that um, if your inner ear and your eyes don't agree with each other, so if your inner ear says, I'm not moving, and your eyes say, yes, you are moving, and it's completely a wraparound, your body thinks it's being poisoned because that's what it did, you know, for two million years, if your inner ear and your, and your eyes didn't agree, then it said, oh, you, you've, you've eaten the wrong, you've eaten the wrong plant. Expel <laughs> it, expel Let's it. Everything out of your stomach right now, right now, you know, and so, so, you'll, you, you know, you have to be very careful of moving. You can move slowly, 
um, that works pretty well. I mean, and, as, and if you think a plane of reference to it works pretty well. I've taken a Theta, um, I took a Theta and I uh, got one of the, I have a couple of these like film level suction cups like mm -hmm. that you put, that you can attach to the outside of your car. And I suction cupped it to the, to the, uh, uh, to the um, roof of or the, the hood of my, of my uh, car. Yeah. And then, and then I put this little theta on it and then I just drove around. And, and what's really funny is you put the, you put the goggles on. It's like, you're sitting on someone's car. It's just like, you're like driving around through. And I really <laughs> want to do that. I, I want to put that like on a Jeep and like go crazy with it. But I'm yeah. afraid that people would get a little um, sick. The, the other thing, by the way, I know you've been doing drones. The theta yeah. is small enough um, that you can hang it from a drone. Uh, you know, I was going to ask that. That was my very next question. Yeah. Can I stick that on the bottom of my Phantom? And, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the hard part is 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 the the cool thing about the Theta, if it works, I mean, when it works, is to is to try to get it a little away from the drone. So when you attach it right to the very bottom of the drone, you end up with this thing where you see a lot of drone. Like when you look up, you see the base of the drone. You know, and and so trying to get it a little further down, um, but then you have to deal with you know you you're now giving the drone a a, a ballast essentially that makes yeah. it harder for it to do what it does. And so the bigger battery, drones, battery life because of the weight and all that stuff, right? Well, and and, and the, the it's not that much heavier than a GoPro, so it's not really the weight, but it is yeah. When you move it away from it, it's it's creating leverage, and so um, you know that becomes more of a challenge. And so, but anyway, but yeah, it's and and we've only done a couple little tests, and I actually. Uh, my first test, I will say you can do it with a drone, but I would be careful because when you try to, just in case you're wondering if you move the theta too far away from the drone uh, with, you know, with what you're doing, the drone may or may not do bad things and crash and then you say, so. <laughs> did this happen to you, Alex Lindsay? Did you, you lost, did you lose a theta and a drone? <laughs> I may have, I may have, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just too grand down the drain. I, I, you know, I, I, I've lost a couple drones and a couple Thetas doing crazy. Uh, well, I've not yet lost one drone. So <laughs> the first, the first Theta that I had on the when I, because I've been ha I've been using Thetas for a couple, uh, for a year and a half or so, or a little over a year. And, and uh, the first Theta that I put on the on the car, also, I learned that don't use the little suction cup you know, use the big suction cup because, you know, you're driving along and like, wow, this, this is it's holding right along. And then it's like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> it just, it does bounce. It bounced on the windshield as it went over. And then there was not much left. It's like the most expensive episode of Mythbusters ever with Alex. Let's <laughs> 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 see if this really expensive piece of high tech, you know, equipment can stick to this car. Nope, it doesn't stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it seemed so small. I thought that you know, the the smaller suction it was still a film su suction cup. But then I learned there are these big ones that you can get that you pump and everything else, and it's right. just like. And then you're worried about you know I won't do it with my 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 Beamer because I'm afraid it'll take the paint off. Like that yeah. thing is so. You powerful. put on the window. You put on the window, right? The windshield. I know. I didn't want that. I didn't want that angle. So uh, okay. So anyway, I wanted to, I wanted the hood. I wanted the hood. So right, right, right. Well, cool. That's a perfect pick of the week, and hopefully mine will be delivered soon because of you. Like I said, you yes. you had that thing in the White House, and I ordered one, so yeah. mm. it's on its way. It's on its way. If I, right, guys, uh, hey, you know, oh, if, if I click buy now, it will be here in the morning. So I'm I'm get sitting it. there thinking, Ooh. get it, man, <laughs> get it. It's ridiculous. You're gonna it love it. Awesome. You need to take that out to the places you go, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh. gonna be. Yeah, I think I might have to buy one of these. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Alex. And we'll, we'll compare notes next time you come on because yeah. Martin will be here too. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, speaking of new toys, my pick of the week is this thing for the <laughs> listeners. This is the DJI Osmo. 
And what it is, it's basically what DJI, DJI did was they took their gimbal and camera assembly and put it on this little stick with a battery so that you can walk around with it and get stabilized video. And it works in, insanely well. So, you know, it comes with this little arm on here that flips out like this. And these guys fold out really well engineered. That folds out and it's spring-loaded so that your cell phone, basically any size cell phone, can fit on this. And your cell phone then connects to the camera through Wi-Fi. So you get a, a real-time preview or view of what you're shooting. Um, when you turn this thing on, let me turn it on so you can see it actually in motion. So you unlock the gimbals like this. Okay. And then I'll turn it on and watch it spring to life. <laughs> Look at that. Say, it's like an alien. It's like War of the Worlds, the little eyeball. Brilliant. <laughs> Take me to your leader. So, so what I'm doing is I'm holding this thing. It's powered up. And if I hold the trigger down, it will lock the position of the lens. So I'm holding the trigger down. Now, as I move the body around, the lens stays pointed at the exact orientation that it was at before I pulled the trigger. <laughs> and if I let it go, so if I, you know, if I let it go, you know, now it goes back into normal mode where it's going to move around wherever I want it, wherever I point the stick. It has a little joystick on the back here. You see there? It's got a little joystick, this thing in the middle that I can move around to. Now, uh, does it have any video output? No video output. No video right. output. I, what do you mean? I don't, like, I don't want to do that. It, it only Let's records on a transmitter. Yeah. Not yet. Well, who knows? This is version one, right? So who knows? Yep. So you can you can move the like I'm holding this, and remember you can you can control this whole assembly through Wi-Fi through the camera, so that right. or through the phone. So the phone can be on the other side of the room, it's on a tripod, and control the pan and all that stuff with this thing. Double tap it to go back to the middle. The cool thing about it is it's got this selfie mode. So if I double, if I triple <laughs> tap the trigger, watch what happens. One, two, three. <laughs> so i can do videos of me you know and tap it again it goes back forward nice and smoothly so it's really cool it shoots 4k video uh, i believe the sensor is 12 megapixel stills out of it and it's you know it's just kind of brain dead simple to use it's got a couple controls on here to shoot video start and stop the video um one button to take photos a little joystick to move the camera around and like three modes of operation for the trigger one you tap it once and hold it, and it'll lock it like I was showing you. Tap it twice, it will recenter it in case you got off balance somewhere. And you tap it three times, and it'll do selfie mode. And that's it. And the video out of this thing is just ridiculous. I mean, it looks it looks really, really good compared to, you know, to like just shooting with a mirrorless camera or an unstabilized camera. The cameras that Alex obviously that you shoot with, and the crew that you guys shoot with, that you guys are using like high-end Steadicam stuff, but this is like. You know, throw it in your bag, consumer stuff, YouTube videos. It's perfectly acceptable for that. Alex, have you seen these things? What do you think? I have. I have not gotten to play with it, um, but I, I have. I, I've seen it, and it was one of those things. Like I have a Ronin, so I have a, a slightly the larger version of that, yeah. which you can put a red camera or or something else in. So, but it's big. It's big. It's like it's got a case. You have it's you, commitment. You know, it's it's like I am definitely doing this kind of thing, you know, and mm -hmm. so, so I think that um, what I'd love to see is a way for this Osmo to be able to connect over um, Wi-Fi or whatever to a, um, uh, you know, to a phone that would then work with Meerkat or Periscope or right. like that would be like super cool, you know, you know, because now you could have the you could you could set your phone down somewhere where it has a good connection and then run around with a you know with a with one of these things, which would be 
pretty uh that would be ridiculous yeah and it seems like it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to do you know while the tools are there it seems like it might be a software issue to bring that to life yeah no, I, I yeah i don't think i think it, 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 it's able to do that because how far away can you get with your camera before it start the video starts to break up you know i haven't tested that yet i've gotten i've gotten as far as across the room with it so right. i haven't i haven't tested the limit so you know maybe 20 feet is is about the max that i've tested it so far and it was fine so right you know who knows what the max distance is? Well, all I know is that is that while you were talking, I now have one arriving on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very expensive friend, you know. That's all I have to say. You know, well, you you made me buy that Theta, and that thing was 350 bucks or something. Right? So we're almost, you know, we're almost even. You know, it's it's uh, you know, I was like, it'll be just in time for the weekend. I'll take it out and and uh, there's you're gonna love it. Tell you the, the negatives of this thing. There are two negatives now that you've purchased it. Hey. <laughs> 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 Where is negative? Tell me that first. I purchased. I had. I bought two extra batteries. The batteries in this thing last about maybe forty-five minutes or so. All right. So, but but you can swap them out. Batteries cost thirty-five bucks each. So I bought a couple of extra batteries. Throw in a bag. Um, the other thing is the audio. Here's the microphone. I don't know if you can see that little hole. To there's a microphone jack right there, and then right over here is the mic. And it is probably the worst microphone ever on any kind of consumer video capture device. <laughs> <laughs> but arguably, but it, have, it doesn't have, does it have any external. It doesn't have any external audio in. Yeah, it does right there. So that's a that's oh, a wait. jack for a lap mic right there. So oh well, then you're set because you, you yeah you're set. Yeah. So I'm thinking that mic that they put on this thing is for reference audio, so you can sync up later. Yep. You know, if you want to do you know separate audio capture. Um, but so those two things and the other thing that I found, I have to confirm this, but I've got in my house, I've got a bunch of those, um, those drop cams yep. and, um, I believe Osmo is operating on the same frequency as those. Cause when I first set it up, I was getting, you know, bad connection, whatever, all this stuff. I'm like, I was thinking, okay, what could it be? Let me turn off those drop cams cause they're all, <laughs> they're all operating through Wi-Fi. So I right. turned them off and boom, worked great. You know, that's great. And, and as a bonus, my uh, the the connection from my my tablet to my Phantom got better too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, you know, DJI and uh, Nest need to do some some communication. Yeah, we have. I think we have probably eight of those, eight or nine of them in in the office. So I, yeah. I'll definitely take that into account. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I have six of them in my house, and yeah, I turn them off, and things things happily work better when they're off. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, you know, you guys, you guys have just bought each other's toys, but I've got the, yeah. the biggest bum deal here because you've just cost me. I've come on the show today, and you've cost me like a thousand five hundred bucks. It's like, oh, what did you buy? You, did you no, buy one? Well, not yet, but I think I'll be. I'll have be pressing the button before the before I go downstairs on both of these. You want this, so, man? I'm I want both you, of them. You want this? this yeah, needs to be in your bag. They are both. They're, they're both very cool toys. So. Yeah, but yeah. thank you for that because that they are. You're welcome. Cool. <laughs> well, we'll do a show. We'll compare notes. Yeah. You know, I'm still learning. I just literally just got this like three days ago, so yeah. I'm still learning um, how to. Uh, I mean, I know how to use it now, but still, you know, you got to get fluid mm -hmm. with it. And, mm -hmm. You know, I got to get cool. Joe Lindsay skills with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is that it's it. You know, that what's great about it is, is that uh, these are great to do. They're kind of like, I mean, I, I will say these are kind of like the, the presets for Steadicam. You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, they're pre, they're, they are to, to Steadicam what presets are to images, mm -hmm. which is that you can get really good moving stuff really well. And then as soon as you decide you really want control, like what we did at the White House, we could never do with one of these things. Oh, no. You know, no, no, no. the control yeah. of the, you know, so, you know, the control of the pans and the 
moving things up and down and having it framed just the way you want it, you know, that's the thing that you get out of a Steadicam. But, you know, I have a, I have an image, I have something, I, I bought a smaller version of this, the Osmo that, that you just put a GoPro into. Mm-hmm. It does kind of the same thing, but it's a GoPro. And I just chased my kids around the, uh, the, the yard when I was in Pennsylvania. And it is the smoothest. I mean, it's just like this amazing, you know, just running behind them and running through it. And, and it's, it's actually one we use for our, um, to test our encoders because it has some unique challenging qualities to it. Yeah. And, um, but uh, it's, it's just a funny thing. These are amazing. You should definitely have some kind of stabilizer because it's just that uh, when you have kids and you're running around, you just get these shots that you would never, mm-hmm. yeah. never get. This just seems like it seems like it was purpose built for those those vloggers, like the YouTube vloggers that are doing videos yeah. of themselves all the time. It's it's like perfect for that, you know. It's, it, but Alex, I would tell you, or YouTube, or if you're buying one, just go ahead and buy a couple extra batteries right now. I already <laughs> did. I already did. So when you said you should buy two more batteries, I just went to B and H and I just ordered two more batteries, and they will be yeah. here with with the device. So you'll be, uh, happy. Yeah. You'll be happy. Yeah, I I waited a couple of days. I'm like, okay, no, I I need more batteries for this. So. Yeah. Cool guys, excellent show. Uh, let's wrap this up, Martin. What's uh, what's happening with you over the next couple of months? Oh, well, like I say, I'm I'm off on my next two winter wildlife tours here. In um, over the next, I leave on Sunday for the first of the of the two of those. Um, and then I, I'm actually I'm working on a, the details of a Namibia tour in 2017. So. You know, I, a lot of the stuff, it's all about tours. A lot of them have already sold out, the ones that are on the website already. But um, if anyone wants to, I'll, I'll drop a link into the show notes, but probably the best thing for me to do would be ask people to go to mbp.ac slash workshops. And that is that was a short link that will take you to all of my current tours. Um, but that's what's, that's what's going off. I mean, it's for me at the moment, it's all about that, getting out there, um, meeting amazing people I, I i have to say the the groups that are that i'm attracting to the tours have all been really really creative and fun to travel with and of course that not only for me but that means that everyone else that travels in the group is having a great time uh, just you know mixing with a, a great crowd of people so yeah if anyone's interested in that do take a look um but other than that I, you know I, i'm probably gonna have a few months where i'll sit down I'm either going to write an, another ebook or some sort of a video series that I'll be uh, probably putting out through Craft and Vision as well. So there's lots of Love good it. stuff coming Love up. It. Yeah. Now is that uh, is that going to be on printing again or something else? Well, it would. The, if I do this, um, it will probably be a video version of my Pixels to Pigment workshop, um, which is oh, something cool. that I've I've done around the world, but I've also done it. I, I do it occasionally here in my this little studio here for a maximum of four people. Um, but that's, it would be basically a digital workflow, color managed digital workflow right through from capture to printing and everything in between. So literally creating the pixels right through to laying down pigment on the paper. Sign me up. I'm buying it. Sign me up. <laughs> it should cool. be good. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Alex, what about you? What do you have coming up that you can tell us about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I, uh, I I may be going through Germany uh, at the end of February and also in March. So I, I, I've never been to Germany outside of the airport, um, but I'm going to get to do it a couple of times. And, um, but I'll be speaking at South by Southwest talking about VR, um, I think, on the 10th of March. So um, talking about VR and golf, of all things. And, uh, and mostly I'm just there to talk about the technology. And so, um, so anyway, so I'll be uh, down there for South by Southwest. I don't know how many days I'll be there because I have to, you know, obviously I, 
appear and, and then disappear. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, in, uh, it looks like uh, in, uh, hopefully I'll be at NAB um, in April and then in May uh, back, back to Africa. Back to Africa. Cool. No, no photo Kina for you this year? It always, uh, it, it's always in like, a, it's always conflicting with something. So I always yeah. want to go to Photokina and, and, and I, and I, um, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple um, of, of, of broadcasting events that I want to go to. And in, in September, it's hard because we, you know, oftentimes have some, a lot of hard events that are, that we have to deal with. Yeah. So, um, and so we think the summer is going to be, you know, they, we do a lot of stuff around elections. And so uh, this year is hectic. Yes. I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that. The shorter the word, the more insane it is when Alex is talking. It's a busy year. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, we're not, we're not worried about surviving. We just worried about, you know, surviving, you know, right. So, so anyway, yeah, so cool. All right. Well, well, we'll catch up with you later this year, hopefully as yeah. you, you know, traverse the globe. Um, quick things, two, a couple quick things that I'm involved in coming up in June 23rd through 26th. I'm speaking at the out of Chicago conference. Uh, should be pretty fun. We're doing a, a bunch of crazy stuff there. Check it out. You can just go to twip.pro slash OOC for out of Chicago. And if you sign up for it, use the code twip Chicago and they'll knock a hundred dollars off. Um, also, and I believe it's April, I'm heading to the Yucatan in Mexico for a photography workshop. So if you want to, if you're interested in joining us for that, just go to twip.pro slash Yucatan or twip.pro slash Mexico, and you'll see that workshop and all about that stuff. So pretty interesting year. Oh, and I may be heading back to Vietnam at the end of the year again, Alex. So nice. excited. at the end of the year, okay. at the end of the year, November, I want to go. You want to go? Uh, did you Come have a hard on. time getting? Did you have a hard time getting in? No, no, no not at why? all. Do you show your passport? Oh, have you done something that would? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I got in. I got in. It just seems like it was a lot of work, but we hired a hired a fixer to sort it out. But I, it was a. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of, and maybe it was because it was a business thing. So it was. I. I was yeah. Well, like fixer. this tour, the tour that I'm going to be leading, um, everything's handled. So oh, okay. you know, well, you just that. give them your passport, and they they pave the roads, and you just show up, and you know. Yeah, in Vietnam, it definitely seemed like I've been to a bunch of places in Asia. I went on a tour that I was a training tour that was in a bunch of countries all in one about two weeks, and and. Uh, it it seemed like um, the Vietnam was the hardest one. Like if you didn't have someone managing that for you, it was not, yes. you know, we, we saw some people turn, get turned away. We were like, Ooh, you know, they, they just thought yeah. they'd show up yeah. and with their U S passport yeah. and it would get, it would work. And they were like, mm, not so much. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, all that's handled. You know, when you sign up for these things, you're, it's all handled, you know, you're, you're a leaf on the wind and it's all good. <laughs> That's great. And the wind is kind of red, but you're, you know, it's a communist wind. <laughs> I, but you're least... <laughs> I think that I, you know, I, I love Vietnamese food and I love Vietnamese coffee. And I remember I was like, there was this one moment where I was like, I'm drinking Vietnamese coffee in Vietnam. You know, you know like it was, it was great. Yeah. So it's, yeah. You're coming. I'll send you the info. You got to come. That'd be great to have you. You're in Hanoi, right? Uh, we start in Hanoi uh, and move all the way down. We end up in um, Saigon. So, right. No, yeah, all, all the way down. Yeah, like four or five cities on the way down. Crazy. Okay. It's hard to explain how amazing it was. It's just I ridiculous. know. I know. I want to do it. So anyway. Yes. All right, guys. We are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. I want to thank FreshBooks for their support of this show. Visitors or listeners, please visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com, obviously. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Mm -hmm.
TV production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.